uh, I was having a conversation um, with a, a group of um, th- th- pastors and, and just a number of different uh, kind of ministry leaders, and, and a pastor was sharing something that he read intri- something that he read recently that intrigued me, and he pointed out um, that sociologists uh, uh, have found that no matter what culture, no matter what ethnicity, no matter what people group, every single person is looking for the answer to at least three questions. This just doesn't matter which culture you go to. Every single person is looking for the answer to three questions, and, and here they are. Who am I? Where do I belong? What is my purpose? Who am I? Identity. Where do I belong? That's community. What is my purpose? That, that's mission. So just pause here for a moment. Do you have the answer to all three of those questions? Do you know who you are? Do you know where you belong? Do you know what your, your mission is? We're, we're in, in this sermon series right now where we're going through the book of Acts. And, and the book of Acts, if you don't know this, the book of Acts, is, it's a story. It's a story about how the church was started, and it was started with just a group of 120 people in an upper room in, in a place called Jerusalem, which frankly, um, it, it, it was a significant place for Jewish people, but any other ethnicity, um, any other nation, it wasn't that significant of a place. So this is not like a metropolis city, if you will, but it starts with 120 people in Jerusalem who have actually physically seen Jesus Christ rise from the dead. How many of you have ever seen with your eyes someone who has risen from the dead? They were like dead multiple days before and you saw them walking, talking, eating, lots of heads going, yeah, I don't think I've seen that either. So they see Jesus who has physically risen from the dead. If you see someone who has physically risen from the dead, you, you probably are thinking, we should listen to them, right? They might have something to say. There might be something divine about them. And so what these 120 people believed is that Jesus came to die for the sins of the world on the cross and that Jesus was alive and that in Jesus there was life. Life abundantly. Life eternal. That this Jesus, maybe he was the answer to all of our questions Maybe these three questions, by the way, right? And what happens is over the next few decades, this group of 120 people, the, the, the first church here, ends up spreading the good news about Jesus Christ, our resurrected Savior, to the whole entire known world. This is pre-social media, pre-Twitter, pre-trains, planes, automobiles. I mean, think about that for a moment, The gospel goes from 120 people in Jerusalem in just a few decades. The whole entire known world is hearing the gospel. I think one of the reasons why the gospel spread so rapidly, the church grew so rapidly, is because they had the answer to these three questions. Who am I? Where do I belong? 
what is my purpose? Identity, community, mission. And not only did they have the answers to these questions, but they had the true answers to these questions. Because let's be honest, how many people, they have found their identity. I know who I am. And they go on to tell you how they have found their identity in their work, or they have found their identity in a friend, or they have found their identity in their sexuality, or they have found their identity in just fill in the blank. But that's, that's not where your true identity is at, is it? And so what, what, what the church had found, what these Jesus followers had found is the true answer to all of these questions. Who am I? What is my identity? Here it is, guys. Did you know that every single one of you were created to have a personal relationship with God? How many of you would like to be friends with God and actually he be friends with you? Can I get an amen? I mean, just like you're in church, you're like, you're supposed to say that, right? Come on. But just pause for a moment and think about that. Not just you having a friendship with God, but God having a friendship with you. You know this, right? There's people who are like, hey, we're friends. And you're like, oh, that's news to me, right? (laughs) I mean, maybe you don't, maybe not. Um, But it's not just that we can say, God, you are my friend. But God's word actually says, no, no, no. God looks at you and says, you're my friend. If, there's an if, right? There is an if. If you are in Christ Jesus. And you might go, well, wh- why do I need to have Christ Jesus to be friends with God, to, for God to be my father? Because your sin, my sin, it separates us from God. And so what Jesus does and says, well, how about I bridge the gap between you and God that sin has separated you from? That's why the cross is something we celebrate. It's because it's on the cross that Jesus paid the debt of our sin that we owe. And and when we trust in Jesus as our Savior, what we are saying is, Jesus, can you take away all that sin that I have, past, present, future? And in Christ we have this personal relationship with God. How many of you think that sounds really nice? Amen? You can see why the church grew so rapidly as they heard the answer. They go, wait, hold on. That's my identity? My identity is more than just sexuality? My identity is more than just what I do? My identity can be found in a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ? I'm in. And so the church had the true answer to your identity, my identity. We have an identity in which we are friends with God. We are children of God. He is our father. We are his kids, and he's a good dad. And not only did they have the right answer for your identity, but the church had the right answer, the true answer for where you belong. We're all looking for belonging, aren't we? It's funny the places that we will find it. Maybe it's not funny as much as we'll find it wherever we, we'll find it wherever we can find it. And so sometimes we'll find it with a couple of punk kids when we're kids because, hey, that's where I can find it. But what 
the gospel offers, what Jesus offers, what the church offers, is belonging to a community of love called the church. A community where we love each other the same way that Christ has loved us. How many of you, you want to belong to a community that says, hey, I have your back, amen? How many of you want to belong to a community of people that, that will say, hey, I love you no matter what, amen? How many of you want to be a part of a community that says, I love you so much that you kind of got this thing going on in your life and we need to have a hard conversation about it. Anybody want to be a community about, about that? Amen. I'll be the person that calls them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be a part of the community that can be, you know, the judger. But we need that. Again, this is why the church was growing so rapidly. Christianity was growing so rapidly. They looked at the community and the way that they loved each other, the way they served each other, the way that they, 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 they accepted each other, the way that they, they blessed each other, forgave each other, served each other, and they said, I want that. That's where I belong. And so the church had the true identity of being in a relationship with God through Christ. The church offered this community of belonging and being loved in a way that looked like Christ loving them. And then the third thing is that in the church and through Christ, you have a mission. You have a purpose. And the purpose in your mission, it's actually bigger than you. Your purpose in your mission is to share this incredible good news that we've been talking about of Christ Jesus through word and deed. That's your mission. Your mission, my mission, is to share this good news with the world, where we live, where we work, where we learn, where we play, we are called to the mission of sharing the good news of this gospel in, in, our, in, in our speaking and in our serving. And so the church, it grew, it flourished because it had the true answers to all three of these questions, identity and community and mission. And, um, Going back to when this, this gentleman, this pastor who, who shared kind of this, this insight and, and when he began to talk about it, I was, I was thinking about, okay, identity, community, mission. I thought, you know, all three of those things are all key character traits of what we would call or God's word would call discipleship discipleship that's that's a churchy word and some of you might be a little new to, to church and, and you're like discipleship Th what, what does that even mean the word disciple it, it literally means to be a learner a follower um a, an, an apprentice and so when we talk about being a disciple of jesus what we are talking about is being a follower of jesus and all three of these things, identity, community, 
and mission, they are all key aspects of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus. And here's what I want us to see in this passage um, that we're gonna look at, James read for us. Um, One, I want you to see that you have been called to be a disciple of Jesus. That when you make the decision to become a disciple of Jesus and follow Jesus, it will change your life. It will change every aspect of your life. The difference between being a disciple of Jesus and not being a disciple of Jesus is the difference between a life of purpose and a life of searching for purpose. It's the difference between a life of hope and a life life of seeking hope. It's the difference between a life abundant and a life flourishing to a life that is wandering. And so... I think this passage is so important because this is what we're called to. This is what you're called to. We are called not just to be believers in God, believers in Jesus, but followers, disciples of Jesus, living out our identity, living in community, and living out our mission Let let me ask you a question just to start. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Not, Not just a believer in Jesus. Are you a disciple of Jesus? This passage here that we're gonna look at here, I think it shows us what it looks like to be a disciple. Now, we already talked about these three things, about identity and community and mission, and they're going to show up here. But what does it look like practically? How do I be a disciple of Jesus? How do I live this out? Are you guys ready? Amen? Amen. Okay, wow. Did I just put you all to sleep there? Was it that good? How many of you are ready to see what does it look like practically to be a disciple of Jesus? Amen? Amen. Thank you. Kind of. Okay. (laughs) Jumping in. Really what we're looking at is a story. A story of what was probably the most transformational church in the whole entire New Testament, we'll find. Um, And it was the church in Antioch. Now, um, I'm going to jump into verse 20 here. Um, It says, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. When it says preaching there, it's not necessarily talking about someone getting up on a platform like I'm doing and preaching, as much as it's talking about an everyday conversation that they had with people and they simply shared the gospel, shared the good news of the Lord Jesus with them. And look at verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. What is the starting point of someone or of you becoming a disciple of Jesus? You know what the starting point is? Here it is. It's a decision. It is a decision 
to trust in Jesus and to turn to Jesus just like this. It, it, it's, it's a decision. I remember um, I, I grew up in the church. I always, since I can remember, had this faith and had this belief in God. But somewhere around 18 years old, I realized, but I'm not following him. I'm, I'm not, a, I, I believe in him, but am I, am I truly a disciple of Jesus? And there was just this moment where I felt like God was seriously speaking to me and asking me, when are you going to decide? When are you going to surrender your life to Jesus? And it was this simple decision. Okay, Jesus, I'm yours. I surrender to you. Have you made that decision. I'm not talking about like one foot in, one foot out. I'm, I'm talking about, have you said, Jesus, here I am, just arms out. I surrender. I follow you. I am a disciple of you. I turn to you. It's a decision. Have you made that decision? The passage continues and tells us something really important about being a disciple of Jesus. Uh, look with me at verse 22. It says, um, And the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So pause here for a moment. H here's what's happened. Basically, some kind of average people in the church in Jerusalem made this journey up to Antioch because there was too much persecution in Jerusalem. It was like, hey, you might die if you stay in Jerusalem if you are a Christian. And so what happened is you had all these people who flee from Jerusalem, and some of them end up in, uh, in, in Antioch, and they start telling people about Jesus. And before they know it, like a little church get started. Now, how many of you have accidentally started a church before? That's what happens here. Like, we laugh about it. Like, ah, yeah. I, I don't think it should be that surprising for us. I mean, I think we should, you know, <laughs> accidentally start churches. I mean, it, it's exactly what happens here. They accidentally start a church. Well, the church in Jerusalem hears about it, and they're like, what? A church accidentally started? we should send someone up there who, you know, maybe has a little more experience and kind of check on this. And so they send this guy named Barnabas up to the church in Jerusalem to really help and support this accidental church plant. Man, that's, that's good preaching right there, guys. I, I'm just, how cool would it be if we just all went and started accidental churches? You call them that, accidental church. Just start these accidental churches in your workplace, accidental churches in your neighborhood, accidental churches in your school. I mean, that's what happens. And Barnabas goes up to, to check on them, and it says, when he came and saw the grace of God. What a line. He, he sees this accidental church, and he's like, what a grace. That is that's incredible. And, and it says he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. I have that whole phrase underlined in my Bible. To remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. 
Steadfast purpose. I, I think that line is important because it tells us something about being a disciple of Jesus. It's not just a decision to say yes to Jesus, but it is a journey that demands steadfast intentionality. How many of you have found that following Jesus is not always easy? Anybody? How many of you have found that just life itself is not easy? Anybody? Am I the only one? We, we, can, we can be a talking church here. Amen? Amen? And so Barnabas says to them, he says, hey, hey, listen, we are all called to be these disciples of Jesus, to follow Jesus. It's not just a decision. It's a pathway. It's a journey. It's a process that requires steadfast, I love the line, purpose. Got to keep your eye on it. And there's a handful of aspects that we see about discipleship that I don't want us to miss. Aspects that I think speak about how to stay on purpose in this journey of discipleship. It says, for, for he, Barnabas, was a good man. He's full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Everybody say Saul. Saul. So Saul, his, his life is going to be so transformed by Christ that he gets a new, a new name. And his name is going to be Paul. You all heard Paul? He started with Saul. So Barnabas comes to this accidental church and commends them to continue to pursue the Lord, live and follow Jesus with steadfast purpose. And what happens is the church just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing to the point where Barnabas says, I, I, I need more help here. I need a co-labor in the gospel. I need a co-pastor here. And so he goes and he finds Saul, who, whose name will be soon enough Paul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, listen to this, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. It's the first place in, in the Bible where um, believers are called Christians. They were actually most often referred to as what? Disciples. Okay, yes, I've been trying to give the answer away all sermon long. So I, I see three things in here that I think are marks of disciples. They, disciples grow in God, they gather together, and they serve others. First, they grow in God. Notice it says for a whole year they met with the church and, and taught a great many people. So imagine this, every single week they are gathering together, possibly multiple days out of the week, they are gathering together and, and Barnabas and Paul are teaching them. What are they teaching them? Say it out loud. The Bible, God's word. They are teaching them. They are helping them grow in their knowledge of who God is. 
one of the very first marks of a disciple is, is someone who is growing in God, growing in their relationship with God. In the way, the primary way it seems that they were growing in their relationship with God was through the word and through worship. There's something powerful about the word. The book of Hebrews says that God's word, it is living and it is active. That, that, that this is God's word and he is speaking to you. How many of you want to hear God's voice over your life? Amen? All right, you, you can hear it. Just read this. It's living. It's active. And so the church was, they, as they were following Jesus, they had this key mark. They were growing in their knowledge of God through the word and through worship. Here's the powerful thing about worship, and maybe, hopefully, you experienced it as we spent some time worshiping God through song, is it, is it does something to your heart. It does something to your affections. It's one thing for us to know God with our minds. It's a whole nother thing to know God with our hearts. Amen? Do you know him with your mind and do you know him with your heart? Why do you think knowing God is so important to being a faithful disciple of Jesus? I think it's a kind of an interesting question. With knowledge comes action. With false knowledge comes false action. Like you read the book of Proverbs and Solomon is constantly talking about knowledge, 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 knowledge. No more, no more, no more, no more. Because when you know the right things, you can do the right things. When you know the right things, you can believe the right things. When you know God, you know your identity. When you know God's calling on your life, you can go live that calling. There's, uh, there's this kind of famous parable that's actually not in the Bible here. Um, I remember hearing it at a youth conference many, many years ago. And it was this made-up story, okay? So what I'm about ready to say, it's not true, but I think there, there's a principle behind it. And, and it's, it's someone goes to heaven, and, uh, you know, I think Peter meets them there, uh, and uh, so we already know it's made up, okay, right? And so, and so Peter is walking this person around in heaven and showing them, like, all the glory. Hey, this is your eternity. And he's pointing to all kinds of incredible things. And, you know, maybe there's pickleball courts, or awesome food, stadiums where you can go play, great hikes to go on. I mean, all kinds of, of course, gold and all that stuff, Right. And, and, then, and then they walk by this massive warehouse that, that is just not labeled. And this walk by. Peter doesn't even say anything. And, and this guy um, that is new to heaven here says, hey, you know, wh what about that massive warehouse? What's in there? And Peter says, no, 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 let's keep walking. You don't want to know. No, 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 I want to know. I'm going to be here for a while. I want to know what's in there. And Peter hesitantly says, okay, fine. And so they go into this warehouse, and, and they just see shelves and shelves and shelves and shelves and boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes. And every box, there's a name. And this guy walks in and says, is my name in here? Peter says, yeah, probably. And, well, I want to find it. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, I want to find it. 
Peter says, okay, sure, fine, let's go. Let's, let's find your box. And so they find the box and they pull it down and kind of opens it up. And, and, and what does this man see? He sees every missed opportunity that God had laid before him. Every unfulfilled purpose. And he looks at Peter and says, I don't even know about this. I wonder how many of us miss out on so many things that maybe God wants in your marriage. Maybe God wants in your finances. Maybe God wants in regard to your relationship with your neighbors. How, how many how many opportunities has God set before you? How, how many different things that God has just, he's opened the doors, there it is, and because of a lack of knowledge of him, a lack of being attuned to his voice, you just miss it. I look at my, all my high school years, my middle school years, and I just look back with absolute regret. I waste, I wasted it. I wasted my high school years, my middle school years. So many friends who walked away from the Lord. And I wonder what would have been like if, if, if my years were about Christ when I was that old. Anybody have some of those? They look back. Some people are like, I, I have no regrets. Good for you. I got plenty, right? You look back and you go, I missed it. I think a lot of it had to do, I just didn't know God the way that God wanted me to know him. Being a faithful disciple of Jesus, man, that is a foundational piece. Do you know him? And you're sitting here going, I, I don't know him like I should. Well, it's not too late. Open up God's word and open it up every single day. He wants to speak to you. He wants you to get to know him. Worship him. Worship him with all of your heart. Get to know him and the plans and the purposes and the relationship he wants to have for you. So a key aspect of, of, of this, this journey of following Jesus is, is one, is know God to gather together with others. I, I love, it says, and they met together for a whole entire year. They understood that they needed one another to be faithful to following Jesus. So many of us, we don't realize that our faith um, is really not so much our, uh, our own as much as our faith is, um, is built around those around us. So, so here's what I mean. Um, you get a kid in high school who, who, who has a personal relationship with the Lord. They're connected to a church. They're in this family that, that, that really seeks the Lord together and, and, and they have really good friends. And then they go off to college and none of those relationships are there. The church isn't there, the family isn't there, the friends aren't, aren't there, and they go there, and all of a sudden they find that their, their faith is a little shaky. Like, what in the world happened? Well, wow, because you need those people. And that's okay, guys. That, that, that's okay. 
I find that when I'm around certain people, my faith like grows. One of our elders, Cyrus, whenever I hang out with him, I'm like, holy smokes, yeah, like God does have big plans for us. Like we should, we should see that. I, I don't get that around every other, every other person. We need one another. And when we are with one another, we grow with one another. Every single one of us, we need each other. I love in, in the Bible, you find that you have Timothy and he looks to Paul as his spiritual father. I'm convinced that every Timothy needs a Paul. Every single young man. Give me an amen if you're a young man or a young woman in here. You know who you are. It's okay. No shame. Okay. Amen. All right, I don't want to like draw a line here. Okay. I don't want to tell you what age is young or old. Like you, like, okay, if you woke up this morning, your body didn't hurt. Okay. You're young. Okay. You need a Paul. You need someone to disciple you. But listen to me. Every Paul needs a Timothy. Give me an amen if you're one of those older people. That was a shy amen. Own it, okay? Own it. You woke up this morning, your body hurt. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, it's me. That's me. That's definitely my dad. My dad will tell me often. But listen, just a side note here. Um, I think there are a lot of Timothys in this church and in many other churches. A lot of young men and young women who long for a spiritual father and a spiritual mother. And here's what I found. Okay, I'm just, just me looking at this. There are far too many spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers that don't think they're spiritual enough. And they don't take that mantle on. Some of you, you, God has called you to be a spiritual father or spiritual mother. Take that mantle on. And us young folks, we're not so great at going up to those spiritual fathers, those Pauls in our life and going up and saying, hey, would you, would you be a spiritual father to, to me? We're not so great at that. For some reason, that sounds weird coming out of our mouth. Maybe we need to get better at that. Maybe we should. Sometimes what we need is we need an older man or an older woman come alongside us and say, hey, how can I, how can I pray for you? Can I take you out to coffee? Can I take you out to lunch? Young people, we should pay though, okay? All right, like, but every Timothy needs a Paul. Every Paul needs a Timothy. But you know what? Every single one of us needs a Barnabas. We all need a brother in Christ who seeks us out. I love this. Barnabas goes, he makes this long journey to go up to Saul. He's like, Saul, it's time. Like, you're needed. I need you to come and pour into these people. We need one another. I promise you that when you truly belong to a community of believers, you have found where you belong. You'll go, okay, this is it. And this is not in my notes and maybe for good reason, but I, I just have to say it. Somewhere around a third of people who are connected to a church, they're gone the past three years. And now 
Um, and, and, and I don't, don't want to get after like wrong, right, indifferent. It's just, it is what it is. And some of you, are, and I, listen, I, I go out to you. Some of you are wrestling with the challenges. Man, it's hard to get plugged back into a, a local church, a body. It's hard, that rhythm, those, that people. And you come back to that church and you're like, wait, this church looks a lot different. These people, some of them moved to Idaho, some of them to Arizona. They, it's not the same. And, and what? We need each other. Amen? We, we need each other. We need to pour into each other. The person next to you, they, they need you. You need them. If we are going to be disciples of Jesus and walk this pathway, we, we need each other. We need community. We need community. So, so the distinctives of, of being a disciple of Jesus and, and, and just living the life God has called us to as disciples of Jesus, okay, we gotta know him. We gotta know God. We gotta grow in God. We gotta gather together. We gotta serve others. Jesus says, I have, I, I have not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Serving others is a key aspect of being a disciple of Jesus because it was a key character trait of Jesus. I love in this passage it says, and, and it was there that the disciples were first called Christians. Now there's a lot of discussion around like, why were they called Christians? What was it about them in which they got this new name? They kind of rebranded if you will but it wasn't themselves that said you know what we should be called we should come up with a new team name disciples disciples just too churchy we need a new name makes us stand out put on you know our instagram facebook you know all that no 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 it was the outsiders that looked in and started calling them christians and some think that the reason why is because they looked like christ they served like Christ. Listen to the rest of this passage in verse 27. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine or recession, one or the other, over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Talk about serving. Can you, okay, so let's put this in modern day. Someone comes up here and has this prophetic voice and says, there's gonna be this major recession. You haven't heard that, have you? <laughs> this major recession, and you know who's gonna be impacted? Our brothers and sisters in, name the area. Illinois. Illinois? Okay, all right. <laughs> so what? <laughs> this is the danger of being a talking church. You get some interesting answers, okay? <laughs> Illinois. So open up your wallets and give to them. Nobody in this church is going, but didn't, wasn't the prophecy that we would also be impacted by this famine, this recession? <laughs> Did you catch that? It, it didn't say that there's going to be this famine just in Jerusalem. It's going to be this worldwide famine. But you know what disciples do? You know what disciples of Jesus do? They don't just 
grow in God and know God. They don't just gather together and belong in community with one another, but they serve each other. They serve each other. Who are you serving? Are you living a life of service? Now, I think there's one last mark of a disciple, and I think that it is, it is missing the most. Go back to verse 19. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews, but there were some of them. There were some of them. What are their names? Didn't give them their name. Give us their names. It's just these people that followed Jesus. No name required. Men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. Every disciple not only grows in God, gathers together, and serves others, but they live on mission. They live on mission to share the good news of Christ in word and deed. They live on mission to share the good news of the gospel where they live, where they work, where they learn, where they play. That's, that's, that's what these people did. Do, do you live on mission like that? Earlier this week, um, I got invited to this retreat. I didn't really know exactly what it was, but I was really good friends with the person who invited me. Um, and he's one of those people that's just like really cool. Do you have any of those people in your life? You're like, I just want to hang out with you. You're, if, you if you're doing something, I want to do it with you. It, th- his name's Chris Goff. I, I, he invited me. I'm like, okay, all right, I'm coming. And so he invites me, and I, I don't really know what this whole thing is about. I thought it was a group of pastors coming together to talk about the church and kind of the, the, the direction of, of the church and kind of this really new culture we live in, Right? Um, I was kind of right, kind of wrong. It was, it was a gather of ta- gathering of talking about, okay, like this is, a, this, is, this is a whole new ball game post-COVID of what the church looks like. So what might the future church look like in this and, and how do we reach people? What I was wrong about is, is uh, I was in the minority as, as, as pastors. There was just a handful of pastors. The, the pastor next door, Pastor Aaron at um, this church literally right next door to us. I grew up going here. I was like, it's the weirdest thing that two churches right next to each other. Yeah, I'm sure you've never thought of that. Um, But I went with Aaron. Him and I go together, and I thought just a bunch of pastors. No, 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 no. There's just a few of us pastors. The room is filled with people like you. You got jobs. Maybe you got kids. But are passionate about seeing the gospel spread and people come to know Jesus and so I start talking to these different people I still hadn't figured out that 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 there was so many non-pastors there and I asked this guy he was about my age I said so you know tell me like I I asked this question I said so do are you in ministry vocationally and he looks at me he just I don't know if everyone's anyone's ever giving you this look like you're stupid or they give you this look like what 
And he, he gave me one of these looks. I instantly regretted my question. And after pausing long enough for me to feel deep shame, he said, I don't like that question. Because aren't all of us in ministry? And I was like, ooh, rebuke. <gasps> right? <laughs> Rebuked. Um, and I got to know this gentleman a little bit more over the next two days. And not a pastor, doesn't work at a church. He has a job in the marketplace and he sees it as his ministry. He is living on mission. You walk through these doors of the church and go, okay, now I'm living on mission. No, 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 no. You walk out of these doors, now you're living on mission. Now you and I, we are called to go and make disciples. You know what the mark of a disciple is? It's someone who makes more disciples. Did you know that? Disciples making disciples. Are you a disciple of Jesus like this? Are you? I want to show you this graphic. One of the heartbeats of this sermon is um, as a church here, w w you know, we're about ready to have a new members class, and, and we want to be a church filled with disciples of Jesus. We want every single person here to say, yes, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He is my Savior, and I want to be a disciple of him. I want to follow him. I, I, we want every single person here to experience that and then to go live on mission and make new disciples. And so we, we kind of created this. Maybe you can see it, maybe not so well, but the upper left quadrant, grow in God. The upper right quadrant, gather together. The lower right, serve others. And down below, live on mission. These, when you look at scripture, these are like the key foundational aspects of being a disciple of Jesus. Grow in God by opening his word, worshiping. Gather together in, in, in groups where you're looking at God's word together and you're spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. Where you're, you're serving one another in the needs that you have, whether it's here in the church or even outside of the church. And that you're living on mission by sharing the gospel in word and deed where you live, work, learn, play, or maybe you go on a plane somewhere globally. This is what it looks like to be disciples. So here's my application word of application for you. Discipleship begins with a decision. Decide. Will you follow him? Will you grow in him? Will you gather? Will you serve? Will you go live on mission? Decide. Decide today. Let me pray for us, and, and after I pray, Pastor John and the worship team are going to come up, and we're going to have the opportunity to take um, communion together and, and then close with a song of worship. Heavenly Father, thank you that when we follow your son Jesus and be disciples of your son Jesus, it is a life of joy. It is a life of flourishing. It is a life of hope. It is a life of purpose. We find our identity. We find our belonging. And we find our mission and purpose. God, I pray for each person in here. They would decide to follow you today. I pray this in your name.
Amen.